So let me play something for you okay. by Klaus Schwab. I feel like we should have Darth Vader music playing when that guy talks. Oh, just hold it, please. We're going to have the proper music for this amazing introduction of Xi Jinping. Are you ready? Yeah. Vladimir Putin and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. We are very proud of now the young generation like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau. He penetrates the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, rece- at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau. Half of this cabinet, or even more half of uh, half of this cabinet, are for our actually young global leaders of the world. Economy. It's true in Argentina and uh, it's true in France now. Mm-hmm. I'm here with the president. With- so what you got there is Emperor Palpatine speaking about how in the first in the preludes, the first three Star Wars, how the, he's going to use democracy to put his people in place, right? He explicitly said in that quote you just heard, what we are very proud of is that we penetrate the global cabinets of countries with our World Economic Forum Young Global Leaders. MLC, the big show, keeping it real, even when it's uncomfortable. How are you doing? Amanda Radke, the second most famous person from Mitchell, South Dakota, after RJ or Ryan Johnson. <laughs> so, All right. today I am being joined by Amanda Radke of South Dakota. And I'm, I feel, you know, a lot of the people that come on this show are overachievers, but Amanda is especially an overachiever. I'm sitting here on my phone looking at AmandaRadke.com. And she puts out children's books. She even has a coffee tumbler and even a little bit of jewelry on this deal. Probably probably more than that, but this is just first glance. Amanda. The reason that I know you is in 2013, we had you help us with the public relations side of the phenomenon known as Fluffy Cows. Not exactly sure how that started or what got it started, but it was around Texas tornado and you took a big old fluffy picture and people got all crazy about it. You still see those memes on the internet even to this day. And that year we put out a cuts of meat diagram illustration with Texas tornado and uh, you know it helped to illustrate the cuts of meats to the audience, the public that was kind of interested in Texas tornado and the fluffy cows. You did a radio show or two for me. Because I wasn't ready for the big time of being on the radio at that point. I'm still not, of course, because I'm such a such a terrible podcaster. But here we are. In the last nine years or whatever it's been, what's new? How did you get to be a, a children's book author? And just tell me, tell the audience about yourself. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. I. Uh... Always enjoy our interactions, and I just had to call you this morning because of the great interview you did with your senator, and I was so impressed with that interview and, and wanted to talk to you about that. But, yeah, you, you bring back old times when the fluffy cow thing hit the, hit the mainstream, and that was, that was pretty wild because so many people were very excited about that exposure, but unfortunately it was kind of spinning a food animal into a teddy bear-type figure, and so... Yeah, it was a pleasure to work with you back then to try to kind of drive the narrative to teach people about where their food comes from. And I guess that's been my motivation for writing children's books. I wrote my first book, Levi's Lost Calf, in 2011, trying to teach kids about ranch life and cattle producers. And uh, since then, we, we uh, myself and my illustrator, Michelle Weber, a Red Angus rancher out of Minnesota, um, we've punched out seven books with an eight 
on the way. And actually, you would like the most recent one. It came out on Memorial Day this year titled Faith, Family, Freedom. And we see the problems in our country today, and we're trying to start from the ground up and instilling important values into the next generation. As far as podcasting ventures go, do you have your own podcast, or you are helping the Trent lose podcast a little bit, right? Yeah, you know, I don't know if I have enough manpower during the day to do my own podcast as of yet. That's always been on the to-do list, but you just went out and did it while I just think about it. So, yeah, I joined Trent Lewis on his Roll Route podcast that you can check out at Apple or Anchor or basically anywhere podcasts are played. Um, but I go on every Thursday, and we do an hour show together. Uh, Hot-button topics of the recent weeks. Uh, what are you or you and Trent uh, discussing? Well, I guess top of mind right now, I'm, I'm headed down to Iowa. I'm speaking at the Jefferson County Cattlemen uh, food Celebration of Food event this evening, and it's a group of cattle ranchers who um, see the challenges that we face as far as consumer perceptions about who we are and what we do and how we take care of the land and, and the animals and, and ultimately, you know, what beef really is. And and uh, they want to get ahead of it. And so they're hosting an event open to the public tonight. I'm going to be reading my children's books and doing a Q&A session so they can ask whatever question they want. And um, we're going to have an open and transparent conversation about it and and so I guess what's top of mind for me right now is I just see that there's regulations coming down the pike that are going to cripple the American farmer and rancher and push more families off of the land and I want to ensure that producers can stay in business and be profitable and raise their families and ultimately feed the world Um, but right now we are seeing an absolute destruction, intentional, I believe, of our food supply. And I think it's time everybody starts paying attention to uh, the essentials of life, food, fiber, and energy, and work to protect it in any way that, that they can in their sphere of influence. I didn't get to discuss in depth with Senator Grassley because his time was so short. He had the breaking news of the letter being sent to the FBI and Attorney General Garland. So that was flattering that we were able to be uh, sandwiched around Senator Grassley's TV appearances on Newsmax and Fox News. But probably what I would like to discuss further with Senator Grassley, especially with my audience, is farmers having to go to the interstate and shut down traffic to affect change. I mean, pretty wild what's gone on up in Canada last winter with uh, the vaccine protests and blockades and now currently over in Europe they're trying to enforce a lot of green policies uh, limiting carbon emissions and cow farts are the problem not uh, not not more logical stuff so I mean could you just go over that a little bit what really stuck out to me about the interview you guys did was his quote that he said you know we're only nine missed meals away from a revolution what he means is if you miss three meals, if you can't, or three days of meals, you can't feed your family, uh, you know, society corrodes and, and chaos ensues and violence erupts because people will do almost anything to feed their family. And people say to me, oh, Amanda, that would never happen in the United States of America today, to which I would say it's already happening. 
We have supplies that are stuck in ports and ships that aren't being unloaded. We have truckers that aren't even able to stay in business because they can't afford the fuel to keep operating. Uh, we have seen baby formula shortages, uh, food shortages, tampon shortages. I mean, the list goes on and on. When would you have ever thought that you couldn't get baby formula in the United States of America? I mean, if you don't think that is an alarm bell, you're just not paying attention. And so what's happening now when you literally have farmers protesting overseas and taking their manure spreaders and their tractors to town because they're going out of business and they know starvation is around the corner? If you don't think that can happen here, you're kidding yourself. Because what they're asking is they're asking – for the or they're demanding that the producers reduce their nitrogen risk or um, use that they that they um, reduce their livestock by what 30 percent or 50 percent um, and they're they're to achieve some kind of carbon measure you know some carbon capture goals and um, to try to prove that we're all sustainable. Well, unfortunately, sustainability is a wolf in sheep's clothing. It sounds really good up front. I know farmers here in the United States are just clamoring to get paid so that they can prove that they are green. But newsflash, all it is going to do is give up our control of our private property and our ability to manage our land and raise food, and it's going to end up in, in food shortages here in, in America. And so my call to action for producers is to read the fine print on these deals because it is leading us to the slaughter. And ultimately, at the end of the day, he who controls the land controls the food, and who controls the food controls the people. And so I truly believe it is the landowners, it is the farmers and ranchers who can put a stop to this woke green agenda and say, no, this defies science, this defies common sense. And yeah, you might be offering a little short-term incentive up front, but I know the end game is to taking off the land so that the federal government is in charge of feeding the people. And I don't sleep very well at night thinking about uh, the federal government being in charge being in charge of our food supply. Boom. That was a mouthful. <laughs> and really well delivered too. Good job. When you say the fine print, what do you mean? And in, in, in particular, I've had a, a listener from Northern Iowa by the name of Ann Lau reach out to me from Northwood, Iowa, and she is uh relaying to me that wind farms in Northern Iowa and close to her property there in Northwood have uh negatively affected her health are you saying that wind farms are bad or what is the fine print that you speak of i guess well they're coming at it from several different directions like it's just interesting you bring up wind farms because biden was speaking a few weeks ago and talking about um, the climate change emergency and that if, if congress doesn't take action he will use executive powers to address the issue himself and one of his solutions was that he was going to line the East Coast with wind turbines, to which I say, ask the Texans how that has gone, because we all saw what happened in Texas uh, with that crazy winter blizzard that they got. And, you know, they've, they've transitioned to solar and wind, and nobody had power, and people's homes were flooding, and it was just absolute carnage. Um, so what I'm talking about more specifically on the contracts and the reading the fine print is right now there's a huge push to capture carbon and bury carbon, which carbon is plant food, so it doesn't make any sense to bury it for one thing. But what they're saying is, is that farmers will get money to do this, but in the fine print you. of this 
of these contracts, what are they giving up? What control on their private property are giving up? And you could argue that's in anything from CRP to solar panel deals to whatever. All I'm asking is that producers um, who very well might need that money to survive and weather through another year, if I just ask that they take a second look at these deals and see what is the ultimate goal or agenda here, because it's not just the short, it's not for the short term game of the producer. It's for something much larger. And if you look at things like um, um, Biden's 30 by 30 plan, his American Rescue Plan, the intent of the um, of the federal government is to put 30 percent more of our land into federal control so that they can move it back to its natural quote unquote state, which means no timber, no cattle grazing. Uh, no mining, no no fuel derived from these lands. And so that would mean if they could achieve that additional 30% control of the land, uh, that would mean 75% of our land mass in the United States is now in the government's hands. Uh, so it's, it's absolutely problematic. That was one of the Biden's first executive orders that he's pushing through, and, and it is happening every single day in this country. It's, it's not like a conspiracy. This is yeah. an actual agenda that is well underway. I guess this Bill Gates fella that got rich from <laughs> inventing Microsoft or whatever back in the day. I liked his work process in the 90s. I think he's a, a dumbass now in the 2020s. But uh, I guess he owns 270,000 acres of land in the USA. Now, I don't know why anybody needs 270,000 acres of land, especially whenever you hear these headlines of uh, these uh, philanthropists giving up all their wealth and just giving it back. Well, owning 270,000 acres of land, what's that all about? Why do you think he owns that much and what's going to do with it all? So the term here would be Hegelian dialect, meaning you create a problem and then you have the solution and then you get really rich off the solution. So Bill Gates made the computer. I'm guessing Bill Gates made the computer viruses so that he could sell you the computer virus software. Bill Gates became an expert on the vaccine, despite not being a scientist or a medical professional. And guess what? He's invested in the vaccines also. Bill Gates is buying farmland, and he's out there telling people that uh, rich nations... Bugs are the answer. We all need to eat bugs. What a weirdo. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, he says that we're going to have to eat synthetic meat to save the planet. And, oh, yeah, by the way, he owns the land, and he's a major investor in plant-based burgers. And also, as you say, Bugs, I really made a cricket farmer in Iowa mad the other day, so I'm going to have her on the radio to debate some things. But, yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. There is such a thing as a cricket farmer in Iowa? Yeah, she's probably your neighbor. I don't know. Holy cow. She's raising the bugs on her little bug feed lot and selling cricket chips and cookies and whatever else. I mean, capitalism. Mm, if I had to guess, you know, but, if I had to guess that cricket farmer is located somewhere in downtown Des Moines, Iowa, or in Johnson County, or in that lib region of Iowa City. Oh, I'm not sure, but she's an entrepreneur. <laughs> I mean, they're farmers and they they diversified. I mean, with I'm their- not trying to I'm not trying to crucify her without knowing her business, but being a Bug farmer just sounds a little bit awkward to me. So yeah, I'm just not, and I'm I'm cool with people. If you have customers that want to buy your bugs, go for it. However, we have like the World Economic Forum talking about how we're going to have to move to eating bugs and kelp and maggots and crickets and whatever else because we're not going to be able to have cows and feed people animal proteins. 
And if you're shoving it down my throat, which they are, now we have a problem, you know? Bingo was his name Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I have two full-size deep freeze uh, freezers at my at my place. I usually just fill them, try to fill them up once a year. But every time those things get halfway empty, we uh, schedule another beef to slaughter. We want to keep them full because shortages of meat or just shortages of food in general probably are coming down the pipe because there's just an inverted reality right now in terms of what's right and what's wrong and wrong is right and right is wrong. It's just, I just think we're being led by a bunch of idiots. So, I mean, who knows what's going to happen over the next couple of years. Yeah, the monkeys are leading the circus right now. But I will say I really enjoyed your interview with John O'Day, my buddy John, talking about selling beef and earning premiums and kind of building that network locally and and earning a premium for your product i'm all about that producers stepping out of a system that doesn't necessarily reward you for your hard work and going direct to the consumer and trying to capture as much as that of that consumer retail dollar as you can because the longer you you have control of that beef animal the the more profitable you could be so i think i think there's a shift there and people want it and and are eager to fill up their freezers too uh, this just all seems common sense maybe to you and I in terms of some of the things we're highlighting. But, uh, I mean, I, I had a uh, relative show up to a 4th of July party a couple weeks back, and she was just certain her 20-year-old self was going to go into the business of uh, managing businesses' carbon emissions, uh, a soon-to-be graduate of the University of Iowa, and it's just like, I guess it's a thing. I'm, it's like Dennis and Dell said. I'm not against green energy, and we both said it's, it can be a nice supplement, like wind farms or, you know, solar. But just to go cold turkey, like trying to quit smoking, going from oil to green, it's going to take a 5, 10, 15, 20-year period, or it should. And uh, Joe Biden coming in and on day one uh, banning drilling and, and uh production on government-owned lands it's just it's ridiculous what other conclusion could be uh led to than they're trying to create a recession or a depression what do you think the right. future holds well, well i mean the american people are suffering right now we are in a recession without a doubt people are living paycheck to paycheck because food and fuel prices are rising we have pete Buttigieg who says um, you know, it's great that they're hurting because it's going to push more people to electric cars. Um, never mind the fact that making electric cars requires more energy than it would ever, you know, it, it doesn't even pencil out in that regard. And now they're telling people that they can't use their air conditioning this summer because we've got to conserve our energy use. And um, I wouldn't say, I, you know, there's a lot of challenges that we face. I, I'm very well aware of that. But I know the power of influence, the power of the American people to be resilient and creative and innovative. And I think we're seeing a shift where people are working to find solutions and to be the change makers in their communities. And I think the biggest thing that could kill this country is apathy, which means do nothing, say nothing, don't don't take action, don't try to change things for the better because you assume D.C. is in control and it's out of your hands. Um, we can all do something, even if it's very, even if it's within our own families or in our own, in just our school district or at the county commissioner meeting. 
uh, we need to be active and engaged and plugged in to try to fight for a better future for our kids. You bet. 100%. Couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. Do you have any stories or any way we could make this more lighthearted as we finish up? I'd love to have you back on because, I mean, just like Talon Hahn is a wordsmith for fitness, you are a wordsmith for common sense. So can you can you come back on my show someday? Yeah, anytime. And, you know, I guess lighthearted, it's, it's county fair, state fair season. This is like your Super Bowl, isn't it? Midwest State Fairs are upon us a week from Saturday, Ohio State Fair, then the following Tuesday, Wednesday, Indiana State Fair, followed closely by Wisconsin State Fair, then Illinois State Fair the following Saturday, and then wrapping around into the next Wednesday, the Iowa State Fair. So uh, Wyoming State Fair closely after that. So it is going to be an exciting August for everybody. And my, uh, my daughter is in her first year showing. She's eight, and she's got a fall limousine heifer calf. She's going to drag to the South Dakota State Fair this year. Any advice for getting a young showman off to a good start? Oh, you and my wife, Michelle, should definitely have a conversation about that. Uh, my own daughter, Maddie, has started to show some real interest at the show barn this summer, and we're sure excited about that, we, even though me and Michelle both want her to like it and love it. Uh, we're trying to let it be her idea rather than ours, and she's actually starting to head that away. And we do have a, a fat steer that we're going to take to a winter show. Yeah, I think that will really get her juices flowing. I mean, I would say uh, for our own family, the Maddie and Michael and Max, they all do it right now more for the social interaction. So if they can go in there and yeah. have a positive experience, and, and I just mean like not the calf getting away <laughs> or, uh, yeah. you know, nothing nothing unfavorable happened. I think that uh, the love of the game will continue to kind of be developed inside of them, and hopefully sometime in the next five or ten years we can actually go really full-on intensity and try to win one of them deals. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you, you better get a limousine lined up because, you know, junior nationals are in Rapid City next year. No kidding. That, that's going to be a beautiful – little junior nationals to attend i did not know that and now that i do i we we took in the mount rushmore a couple of years back and that sounds like something the guy needs to do as a family I'm, and I mean, I uh, a just as a personal now, plug right? you know that the ratsky farms or the ratsky show cattle do you have a farm name or is it just ratsky show cattle no uh Knowles limousines Knowles limousines was a uh, one of the first in on the old Jumpstart Bowl, old sister, old brother to this uh, Louisville champion. So you got to pop into Hawkeye Breeders and take a look at them either on your way down to Fairfield or on the way back to South Dakota. I appreciate your time. Uh, you're talking about real-world stuff. I wish I had more like you, or, or I wish you were available more often. Why is it taking you three months to call me, God dang it? Because you, you are a prodigy when it comes to podcasting. <laughs> Everybody likes the show cattle thing. It's kind of our escape from reality. But these real conversations that we have probably hits more real and more close to home whenever they're had by people within the industry as opposed to some talking head in Washington, D.C. or New York City. I do like me some Tucker Carlson from time to time. That guy can kind of hit the nail on the head. But uh, conversations between real cattlemen uh, like Matt Lautner and Amanda Radke, uh, I think that probably hits home to our listener just a little bit closer. So I appreciate your time. Let's do it again, and uh, safe travels today. No texting and driving. It's okay to podcast and drive, but no texting and driving, okay? Duly noted. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Have a good day. We'll talk to you later, Amanda. Thank you. Yep, you too. Bye-bye.
We have the means to improve the state of the world. But two conditions are necessary. The first one is that we act all as stakeholders of larger communities. That we serve not our only self-interests. Don't give up. Good always triumphs over evil.